Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show presented by Mel Hamilton Forward. My name is Phil Nightingale, and I'm the general manager and Josh Profit Research Director. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Beautiful day out there in the world of Wichita, Kansas, right now, and probably yes. everywhere, right? Sunny in the 70s, Some, Josh says. Somewhere, somewhere it's sunny in the 70, just not right here. <laughs> we don't have either, Josh. We don't have 70. We don't have the sun either. It's all a state of mind. Okay. Got you on that. Hey, it's the call-in show, 316-462-3673. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything you want to talk about in the automobile world, anything you want to talk about in the racing world. Love to hear from you. Love to answer your questions. And as always, give away the great price package value at over 130 bucks for each and every caller. Only show I know you get paid to call in on. So we'd love to hear from you. And as always, Josh, what's in the package? So we're going to mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. We use Motorcraft oil and filter products uh, here at Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're performing that, we're also going to complete a multi-point inspection on your vehicle, checking over the brakes, tires, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components. Uh, you'll receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner so you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires so you get all the great benefits that uh, nitrogen has to offer. And then a BG products package, which consists of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then a can of CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, let's see uh, who we can get on the phone here first. 316-462-3673. Anyway, Josh, uh, all kinds of exciting stuff happening here in their store with uh, our new detail shop. Yep, Kicking things yep. off over there. Got things kind of dialing in pretty good uh, from that part. And looks like we've got our first caller coming in the show here. So we'll get Jordan on the line here for, first. I wonder if that's who I think that is. What do you think, Josh? Couldn't be. Nah, he could not be. He don't get up this early. I'm almost certain of it. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> you must have couldn't sleep or something like got up that early. So we'll get Jordan on the line here in just a little bit uh, from that part. So anyway, uh, the new detail shop, it's the Mel Hamilton Auto Spa, and we're getting it kicked off over there. And uh, we are uh, doing some new uh, things over there. We are doing what we call ceramic coating, and we're doing what we call paint protection film. Uh, so we'll get into more details on that. We'll get Jordan on the line here and talk about more about the Mel Hamilton Auto Spa and, and different things we're doing there for you, too. So Yeah, we started into that, uh, or well, not started into it, but we're discussing it yesterday and all the different steps and processes, and I don't know, my head was swimming there for a little bit just on uh, what those guys go through and, you know, to be able to, to understand what the full process is and what all it entails. Um to, yeah. to just in protect your investment, you know, uh, for sure. Anyway, good morning, Delbert. Robert Kenny's coming live to you, the redneck coming at us. So uh, we got Jordan coming through. Nah, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, don't have him quite yet, but uh, here we go. Jordan, you're on live with Under the Hood. What's going on, guys? How are we doing today? We're doing uh, doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. I'm good. You look at sharp. Looks like you got a brand new fresh haircut. Yeah, I br- like that. I like that look on you. Looks sharp. Looks successful. <laughs> brand Is this Bluetooth new. or calling in? Uh, yeah, okay. Not not on not on there, buddy. So that's that's a that's a off. No, I just said, don't you don't you use Bluetooth? Josh, you use Bluetooth, don't you? Okay. Nope. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I should have never told you that story. Oh yes, you should have. Anyways, I got. Anyways, I got a question. Doesn't even really pertain to what you're talking about, but it pertains to the motorsports world. I've wanted to ask this a couple weeks in a row, but I haven't 
been able to call in. So, I don't, and this is just my opinion, but I want I want your view on it as, as you know, as car guys, racers, car guys in general. But in my opinion, the dirt track racing world especially is in the Stone Age. As far as engine goes, engines that they run go. Because in my opinion, the day the overhead cam motor was made, the push rod engine became obsolete. Obsolete, sorry. There was no reason to ever make a push rod engine again. I mean, they have a smoother power band. They rev better. They would race better. They would shatter track better. And, uh, and even, you know, IMCA stuff, they go to a crate motor. Um, that's great. But they go and they re, they keep, they start rebuilding these 1970s push rod engines. I, like, I do not understand it. The day, like, the day they invented it, they should, there should never have been another push rod engine made ever, ever again. So that's my thought. I'm curious what yours is on it. Well, you know, Jordan, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in there with you real hard. I, I'm I think we're in the Stone Age too with the pushrod motors, but I really think we're in the state Stone Age. It's, it's carburation. Feeling, yeah, to go. Why are we not exactly. carburetors? hundred percent. Carburetors went away 100%. in 1985, and we're still pushing carburetors on these race cars today. Why? I don't know. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, no makes no sense. yeah, it makes no sense to me either with that part. And uh, I agree with you too, on, uh, some different motor options and stuff like that. And, you know, let's take that crate motor, you know, it is what it is. I, you know, 400 foot pounds of pre- uh, torque, 100 uh, horsepower. Uh, then you got the open motors out there, but they're really basically the same motor, same design, same everything. Why we can't get to the new age, I don't know. I don't know if everybody's scared it's going to cost the racers a lot of money to switch everything over or whatever. I will tell you that I had a long conversation with both uh, USRA, USMTS uh, tech inspector, and also the IMCA tech inspector a year ago about, hey, why can't we get the fuel injection? Why do, why can't we get rid of these carburetors and go into, into that? And I'm going to tell you, I, I still think what it is, is everybody is, I think they're scared it's going to take the racer so much money to switch. And everybody's scared to switch. Well, you know what? Well, I think it's time to switch. I, I'm with you 100%. We need to go to fuel injection. We need to get some new technology uh, out there for these motors to go. Uh, and you're right, the pushrod motors, you know, and again, we're still today, you know, Ford is still making a couple pushrod motors and stuff like that too. But. It's not in the high performance side of the of the game. You get look at our Mustangs. Look at what the, look at those things are putting out. I mean, the GT five hundred is putting out seven hundred sixty horsepower on a yeah, great. It's got a supercharger on it, but then the GT three fifty Mustang motor is putting out five hundred horsepower coming right out of the factory. So I'm with you, Jordan, one hundred percent. I wish we would switch. I wish we'd go to a uh, new technology. I do one hundred percent. Yeah, I remember in high school auto shop taking the taking the uh, the test on you know different. You know, what is a cam? What is a carburetor? What is this or whatever? And the definition of a carburetor in high school auto shop was a sloppy mixing device. It literally is a sloppy mixing device. Now, does that sound high performance? A sloppy mixing device? No, Absolutely but, not. But like, that, but that yeah. is what it is. Let's go right. That is what it is. It is yeah. a sloppy mixing device. I never thought of it that way, but it is. There's nothing accurate about it at all. Yeah. I mean, then back in the... It would have been 82 to 85. They went to electronically co- controlled carburetors because of the emissions and stuff out there. And still, when they put the electronic controls in them, it only still controlled 10% of the mixture going in the car from that part. So, I mean, yeah. uh, I'm with you. It's 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 old technology. That's why the manufacturers went away from it in 85. 
and got rid of it because of the efficiency <laughs> of them and everything else have been able to control the mixture, control all the stuff. And here's the, I think my argument I made to the, both yeah. the those tech inspectors is, yeah, you know, we have motor failures. We have guys running, you know, and those open motors, I think they go 30 races and they're tearing them apart and refreshing them. The crate, yeah, it'll run forever because it's, there's nothing being put into there. But if you had the right mixture going into that engine at all times with a perfect 14.7 to 1 ratio, you know how much more longer that motor would live? You know how much longer the parts would stay there? So really, the initial hit from a racer to switch over to the new technology would be there. But long term, I think it would save them money because these components and everything else else would last longer. My, yeah, my 100%. Part. And yeah, as far as the initial cost, as far as the initial cost, racers are going to spend the money. Racing's expensive. You know, yeah. I mean, if it, it is what it is. I mean, and yeah, the, the engine, especially with the overhead cam stuff, it's, it's going to last longer. Um, it's going to perform better. And yeah, I, absolutely with the fuel injections and everything else. Yeah, I think, I think it's time to change. I think they're dinosaurs. They're, they're a shopping mall. They're a cassette tape. Call it whatever you want. You know, it's. It's time. It's time to get with the program. So yeah, what's we funny? Are on the same page, I got. You're talking about cassette tapes. I got in a car the other day with a young gentleman, and he looked over there and he goes, "What's that?" And I go, "What?" He pointed over to the radio, and there's that slot for the cassette tape to go in there. He, he had no clue what it was, and he's 23 years old. He never heard of a cassette tape. <laughs> Think about that technology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we're looking, that was that oh was God. a '93 car. And he had never seen that car, and we're still running carburetors that went away in 85. <laughs> How about yeah, that? Almost 40 years ago. 1985 is almost 40 years ago. 38 years ago. Yeah. Crazy. All right, so let's let's get a debate going. Who That's else wants to chime in with Jordan and I on this old technology on the race cars? Let's get them on the phone. Let's get your opinion, what you think of that on that part. We need to call some people out. That's what we need to do. What do you think, Jordan? I like it, Bill. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I'm getting ready to pull up to Botanica. I got to cook some food for these folks. But yeah, I'm going to listen to the show. And yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear some opinions on this because I've had this opinion for a while. And it sounds you. like you and I are on the same page. So yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear. Let's hear some so, more comments, racers. Right. Let's go. Good- Jordan, go cook some good food, and uh, we'll talk to you <laughs> soon, buddy. All right, buddy. Okay, we got another caller coming in the phone here. But, yes, I want to hear from everybody else out there in the racing world about the carburation and new technology and everything else from that part. What's your opinion? You heard Jordan and I's opinion from that part, like I said, about a year ago. Maybe it's even two years. I don't know. Time flies and you're having fun. That I did, Josh. I went and called IMCA, and I called USRA. said, hey, when are we going to move in the new new technology? When are we going to get in the new world? So, and for for me, it's more about what – what puts it more on the driver? You know what I'm saying? What what gives the makes it to where it's more about the drivers than it is the the car or the machine. So but let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Jason. Jason, you're on live with Under the Hood. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Morning. Hey, so last week you were talking about how important it is, you know, to bring your car into a you know, an actual certified service provider like a, like yourselves. And I'm a truck there last week and it serviced and they noticed a uh, oil pan gasket leaking around the oil pan, but the downfall is that part's on back order for two months. Yeah. My question to you is: Is am I okay driving that truck? Yeah. So uh, an oil leak is is that really? I mean, as long as it's not leaking on, uh, as, as long as it's not gushing out or running out, you know, pretty extensively um, <clears throat> from that side of things or leaking onto something, uh, exhaust manifold or something that potentially could uh, 
could ignite or catch fire or something like that, you know, uh, and we're staying full of fluid. Um, it's, it's really just a matter of maintaining it, but, you know, depending upon again, and we would have instructed you if it was something that wouldn't have lasted that long, or we felt that it was unsafe or, you know, that we didn't want you to drive it for sure. Um, and then, then it's just a matter of one, one it is, the part is in, or we are able to get back to it to be able to, uh, you know, clean, clean the area real well and just make sure that, that the mess is basically taken care of or cleaned up, uh, from that side of it as well. And I will say parts, uh, parts are definitely an issue. You know, that is something that is for sure getting better. Uh, but there are occasional, just, uh, some things here and there that, man, you would think, uh, it'd be simple and easy to, to get and, uh, and you can't you know, from, from that side of it too. But we would have definitely uh, looked at it from that side of things. And if it was something that we didn't think that you could drive it until then, uh, we would have made other arrangements for you for sure. So, yeah, they said it's just a slow leak around the pan right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's good, but what you kind guys of, do exceptional work. Yeah. What kind of vehicle? I'm assuming it's maybe like an F-150 or something. It is. It's 2015 F-150 four by four. And those, they have uh, no. plastic, uh, plastic oil pans and it's not just the gasket you end up replacing the whole pan uh is is what it amounts to and so it's a matter of uh matter of getting that pan so but uh it, it'll come in and we'll get you squared away or lined out on it for sure so they've gone to plastic oil pans now so there are some uh some engines that have uh so it's really just there's a lower pan and then there's like a uh an upper pan portion of it and it's just the lower portion of it that is that is made out of of plastic um from that side and it's uh i mean they've been doing it for for years um and they're been they've been very durable and and uh everything it's just the manufacturer doesn't recommend uh, a reseal on it it's just a replacement of the pan um you know and i don't know I'm assuming just because of uh, fatigue of the plastic and heat cycles and stuff like that. And, you know, they're not uh, super expensive either uh, as far as to to just replace the pan uh, instead of reseal it. You know, you're doing all the labor and work uh, to remove it and reinstall it um, from that side of it. Yeah, so. the labor. I know the labor's on it's like five hours, so yeah. it's pretty. That that, that pretty part expensive. of it is what's <laughs> what's the extensive part, and to to not you know replace the pan while you're there, um, you, you, there'd be really be no point. So, uh, but well, I'm right. sure we'll get that thing in and uh, get you squared away uh, from that side. But you know, all so am I. So since I just got this thing serviced, am I just better to wait for my next 5,000 mile oil change then? You know, certainly, uh, we certainly could do that. Uh, look at that. I don't know how long it takes you to put 5,000 miles on, on a, uh, you know, on a vehicle or service, but that is something, I mean, we would obviously have to drain the oil when we put the pan on it, uh, as well. And I don't know, I'm not sure what, uh, uh, what engine do you have? It's the EcoBoost. I think it's the what is it? The two point seven. Yeah, so there's a two seven and a three five uh, EcoBoost. Yeah, on it's that. the two seven. And there's even as part of the procedure to replace the pan, they actually have you uh, let the vehicle set for multiple hours, so it gets all the oil down into the pan, so that when you put the RTV or uh, silicone back up in there, when you're putting it back uh, back together, that that oil doesn't drain into that silicone. 
and, and gotcha. basically contaminate the, the the new seal uh from that side of it and so uh that is something i mean we would change the oil we wouldn't change the filter uh uh, when we did that, but yeah, you know, wait, doing it at a service interval is not going to hurt anything a bit as long as, as long as, uh, again, it's not, uh, becoming a major issue or, or, you know, you're getting, leaving oil everywhere, you know? Right. Right. I haven't done this in the oil on the ground, unfortunately. Yeah. So. so there's a, all these newer vehicles and I mean, there's a couple reasons that the manufacturers have done it, but, um, <clears throat> they all have undershielding on them, you know, and the, the main reason for it is obviously aerodynamics, uh, for fuel economy, but then also, uh, just they, there's a flow that they want that air to go through the engine compartment to be able to cool components, cool transmissions, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, pretty common that we'll tell a customer, Hey, you've got a, an oil leak or, uh, you know, something that needs to be addressed as far as uh, a fluid leak of, of any kind. And, you know, that's a, a pretty common comment is, well, I haven't noticed anything. Well, these, I guess for all intents purposes, I've called them diapers before, I guess, uh, that they've, <laughs> they've got them under there and are, uh, you know, absorbing that, uh, all that oil. And, you know, some of them are metal, some of them are almost like a cloth material. And so it just, uh, um, is one of those things that keeps the consumer from from noticing that uh so typically with something like that if you're noticing oil on the ground it's going to be pretty substantial uh to be able to to get through all that material uh and then still leak from there so it, it's a good thing as far as like the aerodynamic side of things and the air air cool but you may not really know what's going on with the with the engine uh or transmission or a fluid leak just because uh that's absorbing it you know so right well i appreciate your information you guys have been helpful thank you so much have a good weekend jason thanks for the call and you have a good day as well okay all right thanks okay let's get dan on Eight, the line. Got, two. got another caller coming up dan thanks for holding we'll get dan patched through here just a couple seconds see what's on dan's mind this morning so uh, 316-462-3673, still would love to hear from somebody also about what your feelings are on racing with the carburetors and not fuel injection and the old push rod motors versus an overhead cam motor, that kind of thing too. So I'd love to hear from you, 316-462-3673. You, you know, from, uh, <clears throat> from the other side of things, uh, going back to maybe the poor budget guy racing, uh, on on that is that the the tools and equipment to diagnose some of that stuff when you get into fuel injection or even the knowledge or know-how to to be able to do that uh you know getting into to having to pay somebody to to uh produce that or to figure out what's going on with it um you know i i don't know there's a i'm sure a lot to be said one way or the other but i want to know from a driver standpoint what makes it easiest on like traction control is it to me, if you're running a vehicle that has traction control, you're you're taking some of the workload off the driver. Well, and, there wouldn't, there is no traction control. I understand that, but I'm saying advancements in technology and and things like that. You know what I'm saying? If they were to allow traction control into it oh, to make these cars newer and more, well, see, advanced. that's the thing is, Josh. There's people that went in and hid traction control on cars, yeah, and got caught, yeah, cheating, because you know from that standpoint too. So uh, anyway. 
Let's get Dan online and see what he's got to say. I'm still, I'm all for fuel injection. You know, Josh, and I'm going to tell you, it's it's kind of a deal out there on the carburetors and stuff too, is uh, a lot of people don't know how to adjust a carburetor either. Yeah, would agree with that. Yeah, would agree with that. Dan, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Yeah, you guys were talking about carburetors earlier, and I can remember being a teenager, and we used to turn the lids over on those uh, Chevys, on the 350s and 400s. To love that sound when you get on it. Yeah, I did that too. When I thought it open up. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it was faster. I don't know whether it was or not. Well, that sound, I like that sound. Well, I, I think we thought well, it was faster, yeah, it was but, faster. I, but I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah. But it's sure making a lot of noise, though. <laughs> yeah, I still, Dan, I still remember in, uh, you know, Halsted, where I was born and raised up there, the old inter- international dragway out west of town we'd always drag race out there and stuff and that's one thing guys would do to come race me and stuff they turn that air cleaner over i even had one guy one night cut his ac belt off thinking it was going to give me some more horsepower <laughs> to get going oh wow <laughs> okay so <laughs> that kind of thing too so uh you know it's kind of like the cold air intakes today we have on these cars and uh from that part you know it does sound better does sound like you're going faster and everything else like that but if you don't do anything to the tune and you don't do anything to the exhaust she ain't going to go any faster <laughs> Well, and right, so the right other, exactly. The other side of that is, yeah, you may be adding two, three, four horsepower, five horsepower, but feel of the pants. Like, what do you what do you think it takes to actually feel it in the seat? You know, I bet it's at least fifty horsepower before you can for the average yeah, driver. Yeah, I agree, at least fifty to, to to feel something. And yeah. I, I think even that's a perspective is kind of where your baseline is, where you're starting, and what you're, you know, how much you're adding because. 50 horsepower at 200 is probably a substantial difference, but 50 horsepower at 800, maybe, you know, maybe not as, uh, not as noticeable, I guess, from that side of it. So, but yeah, Dan, you are right. I remember the very first time my dad turned that air cleaner over on there and we took off, boy, out and we thought we were flying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm telling you, it was noisy. I liked it. I just want to. I just want to share it with you guys. Nah, I appreciate the phone call, Dan. That is some. That is some fun. Turning the old air cleaner over and go. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so. thanks for your good service yesterday. I appreciate it. Well, thanks hey, you guys too. Also, yeah. thanks for coming in yesterday, Dan. Good to see you, buddy. All righty. Have a good weekend. You too, you Dan. Too. Thanks for the call. Bye. All right. All right. Bye. All right. 316-462-3673. Hey, let's get the phones ringing. Love to hear from you, but we still need to hear some more debates. Carburation, fuel injection in the racing well let's go to let's go to drag strips i guarantee you on drag racing there's hardly any carburation going on sure. out there compared yeah. to fuel injection out there today in the drag racers the drag racing world's caught up to it so okay drag racers let's talk have you guys been racing for a long time and you went from carburetor to fuel injection let's hear from you what changed what made it different what happened with your cars when you did that on the drag racing side so let's not worry about just the dirt track side but let's get some dirt trackers out here let's find out what you really think about the carburation versus fuel injection and dirt track drag racing whatever it might be love to hear from you 316-462-3673 Three. Anyway, Josh, the other thing I would think, you know, that that you know, Holly's got those fuel injection cars, carburetor, uh, throttle bodies, and that kind of thing out there. So that's the next thing is is really when you go to the dirt track side of this thing, and is is it throttle body injection? Yeah. Is it port injection? Uh, you know, what kind of injection systems would we would they allow or run or whatever from that part too? Uh, and even going just to a throttle body injection, I mean, you're still going to have so much more precise fuel mixtures and everything else from that part uh, of 
you know, fuel put in the right person, mix because you're going to yeah. have a, you're going to have an oxygen sensor. It's going to read how rich and lean it's running. And then you're going to have, you know, uh, at least a map sensor on there. You're going to have a throttle position sensor on there. Uh, I think that's the basic things you'd have to have. Yeah. I mean, uh, to do it right, I think you're going to have to go to multi-port injection for sure. But, you know, uh, if you're talking about just a, making changes and advancements slowly, I guess then then yeah, the throttle body uh, injection would probably be the way to way to go from there. Yeah, and I think too, from an expense wise, it wouldn't it wouldn't be uh, astronomical to to make that change. I, I, and that's my whole thing. I, I know I'd have to go look and see what a carburetor costs today. And that's my next thing is wouldn't the the longevity of a carburetor and the maintenance of a carburetor versus fuel injection okay that's another thing because every year my carburetors go back to my carburetor guy he goes through them yeah and i spend up teen hundred dollars you know several hundred dollars on each one of them carburetors to get them cleaned and redone through the year fuel injection you wouldn't have that the only thing you have to do is make sure you got the fuel out of them so it wouldn't set over the winter but it's no different than a carburetor but you wouldn't have that expense in my opinion but and then what i'm saying back to the you know checking them out and diagnosing them stuff i would think that there would be a way very simple with that, just that few sensors on there, if you had a oxygen sensor, a map sensor, and a throttle position sensor, I think it was about all you would need to get a base system set up and running uh, from that part. I'm not sure if there's more to it than that or whatever, but I think that's all you'd have to have is a throttle, map, and oxygen sensor. But then the next thing gets into it, you're going to have an oxygen per side, you're going to have an oxygen, you know. Well, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, you definitely want one per per bank i guess uh from that side of it yeah exactly so hey anyway 316-462-3673 love to hear from you and uh anything alien car tires brakes batteries or if you just want to talk about this debate on the new technology in cars love to hear from you so anyway we're waiting on some callers to come in we talked a little bit about the mel hamilton auto spa we just got it opened up and going we're working out some of the kinks and all the processes and everything going on over there but uh, we're going to be uh We've opened up the state-of-the-art detail building over there where we're going to, of course, do details, of course, for our used cars. And we're also going to offer some retail details for some of our people driving on the service drive. But the other thing is ceramic coating. And uh, there's a lot of myths out there about ceramic coating, in my opinion, and everything else like that, too. And I will tell you, Josh, I learned a little bit yesterday. We're sitting down with the guys going through because I don't know 100% of everything about that ceramic coating, what it takes, and all that kind of stuff, too. But the, there's people out there advertising ceramic coating that, as you talked to our guys yesterday, it looks like it's just a wipe-on, wipe-off deal. Uh, is that better than not doing anything? Yeah, that is better. But is it really the right thing to do to protect your paint and stuff like that? Uh, I guess I learned yesterday it's probably not, is it? Well, and what I got out of it more than anything is uh, the ceramic coating side of it is uh, is probably the easier part, you know, to actually apply the ceramic coating. But what you have to do in preparation to get to that point to ensure that it adheres, you know, for the long term uh, and the best for the vehicle and the investment and then also just in application itself uh it's very critical that it's applied in a correct manner because you can actually damage the paint uh, yeah you know from from that side of it well and that's where when I'm it's saying. done incorrectly yeah and that's where the uh what i learned yesterday okay so we're going to basically let's take a car we're going to start with the ceramic coat i'm probably i wish i could should have had caleb on the show with us today is what i should have yeah. done or calvin one of the two to talk about more in depth but a little bit that i got out of talking to those guys yesterday is basically you start off washing the car but then there's so many things still on the car that's got to come off before you can you know the prep work uh and you know it's kind of like all the acid fallout and all that stuff in there if you don't clean it off the car 
then the ceramic coating can't adhere to it. Or if you don't clean all that stuff off the car before you start buffing the car, it's going to scratch the heck out of it. Yeah. And one of the things that, uh, you know, really never even thought of and, and before getting into this industry or being a part of this industry and, and seeing it is, is rail dust. You know, these yeah. cars uh, start out at a, obviously at a manufacturing plant, but you think from that side of it at the at an assembly plant, all the different materials, uh, you know, they're literally on uh, conveyors going through in and out the in and out the building. Uh, but just all the metal debris that is uh, that these vehicles are susceptible to uh, in assembly. But then they go to typically, uh, you know, trucked or to a rail yard sit in a rail yard for uh, a little while by being delivered, then go on the rail uh, to probably another rail yard and sit at that rail yard yet again. Uh, but all the rail dust uh, on these vehicles and, and being in industry, it's something that, you know, I've seen white, uh, a white vehicle come in and it almost looks like it's uh, Dalmatian with all the little <laughs> rust pits in rust it pits everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but never even would have ever thought of that not being, you know, not being from the industry for sure yeah. that, that, that that would be a thing. But you got to get that all off. And basically it's like prepping the surface to be perfectly clean uh, before you apply the coating. So now then once you get the surface completely clean, can you apply coating? Sure, you can. Is that still the best way to go about doing it? No, but is there is there is there places that are doing that steps? And we're gonna we're gonna offer a couple different steps. Not everybody's gonna want the detailed time it's gonna take to really do it. Now the, the final st the best way to do it is to completely polish all the scratches and polish all that stuff out of there before you adhere the ceramic coating on. And for the to me, the average consumer for an average car like an Explorer or an F one fifty, I want to protect my paint. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna get crucial about all the scratches and everything being perfectly clean. Now, my GT500, different ballgame. I wanted that thing completely done, handled, clean, perfectly stuff. And I remember when they did my car, he would send me a picture of the before and after. And I never had no clue that it would have that many scratches in it before he buffed it. And then he would show me the before and after, and it's crazy. So then after you apply that ceramic coating, uh, then it's going to adhere. Then it's going to stick, and then it's going to be there so you don't have any. They keep talking about highs and lows of paint, and I know that it's there by that way you look at it under a magnifying glass. You can see the highs and lows of the paint uh, from that part. But polishing the car, prepping the car, but actually supply, applying the ceramic coat is simple. Yeah. Simple, easy, and that's the that's the least amount of time it takes uh, to do that. So if you've got a high end car and you want to really protect it, it is the best way to do what we call our platinum service, which is, you know, completely cleaning the car, acid washing the car, polishing the car, clay buffing bar, the car, yep. clay bar in the car, all that kind of stuff to get all that stuff out of there uh, from that part. So. And then apply it. And then the next thing is letting it cure. You got to let it cure for 24 hours where you get it out in, out in the elements uh, from that part. So that uh, Delbert is, uh, you got to make sure it's clean. The first clay bar buffing. Yeah, exactly. You got to get that all. So do we have pricing put together? We are still working on our prices. We're kind of swinging it right now. We've done several cars and stuff, but a lot of the cars we've done so far is just trying to get our processes down and get everything we need to have in place to do that and what it's going to take to, uh, get that handled. And, uh, so anyway, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna get into the test thing we're gonna we're doing too. But anyway, Delbert. So we'll we'll get together on some pricing and that kind of stuff too. And Jason Cox says, "What's your take on McGuire ceramic wax? Use it? Don't use it? Yeah. To me, today the paints. You know, you go back to the years ago when we had lacquer paints. 
no clear coats, no nothing. And I think it was the mid eighties when they went into the, into the, uh, uh, clear coats over the cars and stuff like that. And I'm telling you back then they didn't have that process figured out. We had, they, back then they called it acid rain would just pit these cars. And I don't think it was really acid rain. I still think they had the materials all figured out and everything exactly the way they need to be like they are today. Uh, but still today will bugs get the front of your car. Will, yep. uh, bird droppings, that kind of thing, still stain the paint and do the thing. Yeah, they sure will, uh, from that part. But anyway, Jason, to answer your question. Is it a good wax? Um, McGuire's is a great wax. Uh, so doing something, then nothing is better than anything at all whatsoever. But the the quality of a ceramic coat and prepping it, getting it ready to go was really the better way. But again, not everybody was going to want to spend that kind of money on their car to protect their paint uh, from that part, to make it look good, stay good, all that kind of stuff too. And yeah, Delbert, we've been doing some experiments, that's for sure. So uh, on the ceramic coating side, we have taken uh, Jake's race car and we have coated the whole car with this Gion ceramic coating. And we're going to see, I mean, it is pretty slick. I mean, it's very slick right now. So whether the mud's going to stick to it or where it's not, I don't know. Uh, but time will tell. We're going to find out here soon what it's, how it's going to work and all that kind of stuff too. But just next thing is how long will it stay on there? Yeah. Uh, from that part. Now, the other thing we've done on the underneath side of the car where the tires throw the mud up through there and everything else, too, we've done two different applications. And I wish I had uh, Calvin or Caleb sitting here because we did a different application on the right than the left to try to decide oh, to see what one which one's going to work better or whatever. So, you racers out there, if you're listening and whatever, we'll find out how it does on Jake's car. So, if you want to ceramic coach your car, we're going to find out uh, from that standpoint. Now, the next thing we're going to do is yeah, we haven't really kind of let that out of the bag or whatever too much, but we are having two cars this year. So the second car is back here on the on the on the lift getting put together, just about almost done. And the other car is out at Buddy and Tanner's right now getting its final setups and everything on it too. But we're going to actually put the paint film protection on the nose, okay, and see how the rocks and the dirt and everything hitting that nose does it protect it. How well can that Lumar Valor paint protection film hold up to that kind of damage and stuff? So can we'll have some things to show you different things of tests we're going to do from that that standpoint too. So I'm excited to see what that ceramic coating does, if it does take the mud off of it and, and doesn't make it stick or whether it still sticks or what it does. And then to see how the paint protection film does on that front of that nose to think it'll hold up Josh. So there's a lot of variables that are going to go into that. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Surely not really. Yeah. Yeah. From, uh, from going around the track. Yes, it will hold up from, uh, Competitive spirits. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Competitive spirits. We'll uh, we'll have to we'll have to see for sure what uh, what happens first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> I'm not sure. One of the two, right? Yep. Yep. So anyway, sure. so there's some things we're testing, doing. Uh, if you want to talk to us some more about ceramic coating, whatever, let's get on the phone. Three one six four six two three six seven three. Answer answer your question, but we really should have Calvin or Caleb here sitting here. Yep. And then uh, if we wanted to talk about our paint protection film, we need really have Nor sitting here too. He's our head and installer over there for the paint protection film of course calvin is going to is our my master on uh, the ceramic coating and then of course caleb does both he does the ceramic coating and also the paint protection film from that part too so it'll be interesting to see how some of these cars do we've got a, several cars we've rolled out and everything else too so uh uh yeah <laughs> it holds up to all that damage well then shoot it will hold up on your daily driver extremely well i would think well that's kind of what we're trying to prove and show what that stuff actually does and how it handles and you know josh and i both have had some not good experiences with the paint protection film on 
after they've been on for seven, eight years or something like that, they start to yellow or peel or whatever. And, and uh, we've had some issues with that, but I think the technology now the film has come it's so come far so much yeah. further and everything else too from that part of protecting and looking good and everything else too and on our film from lumars who we're using there's different levels of film you can buy and i didn't buy anything but the best i don't want someone to have a bad experience if we put some paint protection film on the front of your car and that paint protection film i'm telling you is from rocks chips all that kind of stuff but we can do the whole front of the car yeah. we can do the whole the car whole if you car. want to yeah and then the you know do the headlights we can do door edges we can do all kinds of things for that paint protection film and i'm telling you when you walk up to the car today after they prep the car and all that kind of stuff you, you can't tell that's in there. on there you yeah. can't tell it's there and it's it's kind of neat to watch caleb and nor walk up to a car and someone else has done a ppf job on and pick it apart yeah. Of what they did wrong, what they did, and all that kind of stuff too, and it's just like the Land Rover we did. They they done a front nose half or whatever, and they cut the paint. Uh, that's that's a first bad thing. I mean, that's the reason that you're putting it on is to protect the paint, and then you turn around and go and use a, a razor knife on it and and cut the paint. <laughs> yeah. So. The technology we're putting into these things are going to be great technology, and I'm going to tell you, it's just kind of like I said, we're not going to be the cheapest because that's not how that's not what I'm trying to do with this new detail shop. After I'm trying to give you a great quality pair to protect your investment. If I'm going to put cheap products on your car, it's not going to help. It's yep. not going to last or anything else from that part too. Uh, so anyway, we'll have to get Calvin and Caleb and Nora on here one day to kind of go through the stuff. Maybe we got to. Take the ceramic coat one show and take the other one the next show and stuff like that, too. Who knows? Maybe we need to go do the show out there and, and the, show the guys the doing the work shop. behind yeah. us as we're working on the cars and stuff, too. Yeah. That might be kind of fun to do, too. Uh, so Delbert wants to know what's the warranty that it has. And uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember with the the uh, Lumar film, I believe. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure I'm right when I say this has a 12-year warranty. 12 years, yeah on that part so then the ceramic coating that it depends on the different level you put it in there whether it's a three a five or a ten year i believe or maybe it's nine i can't remember and i can't have all that stuff in my head here of all that stuff but we'll get those guys on the shows here and and do some of that on the background so get some more questions actually happening there for you too but uh if you want to talk uh get some things set up for your ceramic coating or your paint film protection love to help you we'll get caleb and nor and those guys to help you figure out what's best for your car and what's going to work best on you in that same point too so anyway 316-462-3673 hey want to hear from some racers out there we started the show off with jordan talking about the old technology with carburetors and pushrod motors what's your guys' thoughts i think we need to move into the get out of the stone age i think we need to move into fuel injection and uh you know even if we just got to fuel injection yeah 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 yeah. We still run a push rod motor. Let's get some fuel injection on these cars and get rid of these carburetors that we've stopped using. And the I mean, the manufacturers knew back in, in 85 it was time to go. Well, so the other side of that is, uh, I mean, we can talk about uh, going to a, a uh, overhead cam engine, too. I mean, some of the benefits to that would be obviously more horsepower. But I think for the most part, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you can only have so much horsepower. You got to be able to apply it to the ground. That's where the the difference is, right? So, I mean, having overhead one thousand percent, Josh, is getting the power to the ground. Yeah, having overhead cams and increasing horsepower and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I and, don't, I don't. Well, all, all I'm saying to you is on the new technology and stuff. It's not really as much as getting more power to the ground, but some of like Jordan talked about some of the power bands in there, uh, that sort of thing. But I just. 
you're right. The, the tire from whether you're running the Hoosier G60 or you're running the American Racer KK704, there's only so much horsepower you can put on that ground. But it also depends on what the track's like. Yeah. You've got a heavy track, got a dry slick track, whatever, uh, from that part. And uh, too much horsepower. I, I still remember way back when I first got into back. This was in 15. I was just getting started into the dirt track racing again with Jake. And I remember talking to a guy and he said, uh, oh, yeah, I got 900 horsepower in my car. Okay. No, you don't, for one. Number two, you can't put all that power to the ground anyway, so what do you need it for? Oh, we got a double run line? Yep. Double, you're live with Under the Hood. How are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Sounds good, anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, a little devil's advocate here, you know. You got to get that. First of all, let let me start out by saying, if you guys are watching on live on Facebook, like and share that to everybody. If you're on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. Get that out there. Let's get it going. So we get this built up tomorrow so they can start making some money off this channel because they're spending a lot to do it. There you go. I appreciate that, Delbert. (laughs) So we got that out of the way. Um, Yeah, the the, um, racing stuff, I'm not as familiar with it as most people, but I enjoy listening about it, talking about it, um, because I learn more that way. But yeah, I think fuel injection would be. I, I was surprised to hear they weren't on fuel injection. Honestly, thought by now they would be because that's all you see anymore. Yeah, I know. And then uh, <laughs> I agree. You know, old school carburetors—that's good for the old cars, the old sixties and seventies. But just for show cars, but to race cars, now nah, you don't want all that. You want the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I wish if we could ever get the sanction bodies to switch over or, or that thing. But I still think a lot of it is that the sanction bodies are just worried that the racer won't be able to afford or don't want to spend the money to switch over to those other type of systems or whatever uh, from that standpoint. So, well, racing is not a per man sport. We all know that. Yeah, and I say do it. Do a uh, kind of a grandfather deal or, or blend it in a little bit. Give them an option Could to you run do both two classes. Or, well, yeah, and if they can keep up with the, the overhead cams and the um, fuel injection, then great. If not, then they're going to probably say, well, if we want to do better, we're going to have to get more equipment or drop out. Well, and, and Josh made a good point up he's listening there too, Dale, where even though we go to an overhead cam and fuel injection motors and that sort of thing, we can still only put so much horsepower to the ground. can't only happen. Right, right. Because uh, of this traction and what we kind of have there from that part too is uh, is all crew. So we so we build these other type motors with fuel injection and that to me, all it's doing with the fuel injection is it's putting a right mixture in that motor. And I truly believe the motor will live longer if it's got the right mixture in it instead of the wrong mixture. Cause again, we race like I know 81 speedway is going to be racing out there today, which, you know, 40 degrees is too cold to my, in my opinion, me and buddy have a rule that it's 55 degrees or warmer before we race because it's so hard on motors and all that kind of stuff, but still even racing at 60 degrees and racing at 110 degrees, a carburetor can't change its mixture. You have to manually go in and it's like Doug just wrote on here is about fuel mixture and changing jets. That's a guess of what you're doing. If you're too rich, too lean, if somebody makes it, and either way, you're, you're damaging your motor. If you're running too rich or if you're running too lean, you run it too lean, you're going to, they say lean is fast, which I agree with that too, but, but then you're, you're going to burn stuff hot. up. Yeah. You're going to get hot and burn stuff up. Yeah, yeah. You run too much fuel. That's, gonna, that's like just putting pure alcohol through without any mixture to it. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Melt those pistons. That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fast that lap. <laughs> one lap. Yep. That one lap. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've been down that road. Trust me. I can tell you a story. About I know that. a little bit, but I don't know a lot about racing. I just, you know, it's just one of those things I, I watch, but don't get into. Yeah. 
Oh, so. I get it. But uh, it is the deal that I think we need to move in the new technology. We need to grandfather it in or do something or gradually move it in or give a, you know, a, uh, a burnout phase of the other motors or, or, or carburetors sunset. or whatever it might be, sunset them out or whatever from that part. But we do got to get in the new real world. And I do believe the, the sanctioned bodies agree uh, with that statement, but they just don't know how to implement it to be fair to everybody. And I agree in the racer, that's what the racers want. And I think I'm talking for all the racers out there. Everybody just wants to be treated equally and fairly, not disadvantage or favoritism or anything else like that. But if you had the right way of going after that to, to phase those things in, uh, you know, I think it would be okay, but I think long-term. It's so right now they don't allow fuel injection. Is that what I'm hearing? That's correct. On the dirt side. Okay. There is no, it's, the all, side. Okay. it's all carburation. Both sanctioned bodies have the same, uh, rules. It's, it's rules. All carburation. But like I said, we talked mm. about drag racing. Yeah. I, I guarantee you hardly anybody today that's competitive in any of the drag racing is not running a carburetor. They're injected, they're turbo, oh, they're okay. supercharged. They're, we know some of that part too. <laughs> so if you've got any drag racers listening, I'd love to hear if you, if you're still running a carburetor in drag racing, what class you're running, what car it is, and all that kind of stuff too. But I mean, I just don't think they do. So I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong on the drag race side because I'm not familiar with that bunch, but I just know the cars that I see and whatever. Yeah. There's no carburetors on those cars. No carburetors from that part. I don't know if you read my comment about getting those guys in here and doing a separate show for that. I think that'd be an awesome show. Yeah. Learn about the ceramic coatings and and get them out there. Of course, that's going to take them away from their job for an hour or so, but that's okay. I'd I'd rather take take them away from the job and, 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 uh, And uh, show and we'll be more educated, get more educated on what ceramic coating does and all that kind of stuff too, and, and get them the right products on their cars to protect them. Uh, you know, and everybody's application is different. It's kind of like we we're sitting there talking to Caleb yesterday and he goes, well, you know, first question I asked him is what are you trying to accomplish? And I, I agree with that. But the whole problem with this is so many people don't understand what they want to accomplish or what the options are really are out there for them and what is the best thing for their car. And it's different to me. It's like, you know, if you take like your fusion, uh, Del, mm-hmm. which you have, there's a great ceramic coating practice we can do for your car to protect it. Now my GT 500 that I'm going to keep forever and ever and ever, that, that's a whole different process again there too. And what I want are to you do saying? I'm not going to keep my car forever <laughs> and ever and ever. I don't think so. <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> Probably not the way I drive it, <laughs> but I, I would think if it, you know, if you're doing that, that experiment on the race car for that, uh, you know, I drive about 45,000 miles a year all over the city yep. in Oklahoma city. So yeah. You know, I'd be willing to now, for a discount. Not a complete yeah. freebie, well, I'm, but what well, I'm going to tell you, come out there and unless you put that on there, and we'll see how it works for a year. Well, and my thing with you, more than what I think is better on your car, would be the paint film protection to protect the front of the car from the rock chips and all that stuff. As much driving as you do, and the Uber yeah. lift thing that you're doing, you want to protect the front of your car. So we could do the front nose, do the headlights, uh, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing in the front car, and we'll protect the front of the car. That to me is more beneficial. For you as a consumer, than it would yeah. be yeah. to do the ceramic coating, even though ceramic coating would help, you know, that kind of stuff too. The next thing I would yeah, tell you, help the paint, but it's not going to help the chips. Yeah. yeah. Right. So now let's go to the next step with you. Windshields. <laughs> Windshields are getting so expensive again because of all the technology. Oh, God. Yeah. Mine's got a camera in it and all kinds of stuff. So we're, we're working on a 
product that will wipe on the windshields that will help, but we're also going to get into doing a film on the windshield. Kind of like you see on NASCARs, they peel the film off instead of washing the windshield. Yeah, so yeah. We're going to have a film eventually that we'll be able to put on the windshield to help to rock chips and stuff like that, too. So that's all still stuff coming down the road and everything else, too, to help them at work. I mean, if you think about it, they've already got a film that holds the two pieces of glass together, so and it stays clear yeah. for years and years and years and years. So putting a film on the outside doesn't sound like a bad idea. No, it really doesn't. Doesn't at all. No. So, cause that's something you can peel off and replace pretty easily without having to change out a whole windshield for thousand, fifteen hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah. Agree. Agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. So, so anyway, Delbert, uh, but in my case, you know, as far as rock chips, I've already got one that's halfway up the hood, which is kind of unusual, but you okay. know, and see, you, know you get them up there as far as they go. Yeah. And that's the next thing we, we just talked a lot about yesterday too, with the meeting with the guys is, you know, putting paint film protection on a brand new car is pretty self-explanatory thing, but you take a car like yours, it's got a few chips, few rocks and all that kind of stuff. The process changes, uh, what we need to do. There. Yeah. Do we, do we fix first fix the chips and let that paint cure and then put the paint film on or do we just put it on? But you got to remember if you've got a little dent or you got something in your hood and then you put the film over the top of that, it just magnifies it. So instead You're of being the size it. of a diamond, yeah. now it's the size of a quarter. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ideas and things we have to do. And that's why we kind of on a new car, but the good news is, is even if it does magnify those chips, for example, in my case, it's still going to protect the rest of it better than it would be protected without it completely. So 100%. you're going to save in the long run, keeping that nose looking better for a longer period of time, even with one or two chips in it or scratches or whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, it's like yesterday we were walking our car, our trade-ins and trying to decide what we're going to do to recon them and stuff. And I tell you, every car we looked at, had bugs just all in front of it and stained into the bumper to where, you know, we're actually we're not going to have to paint some of those bumpers to get rid of the bug stains and things that's on the front of those cars up in that part. And it's just a natural that's thing. mostly because people don't wash them off very well. Yeah. Well, that's very true. Very true too. Mm-hmm. keeping the cars clean and all that kind of stuff and everything else from that part. So that's the, that's the next thing that, uh, the ceramic coat's going to do. That's going to help protect that side of the point. To, if you don't keep them clean as good as you can or whatever, and that sort of stuff too. So, uh, all kinds yeah, of I use, uh, um, I use a, a ceramic coat in the front and I do it about every month because it just wears off so fast that spray on stuff, but it does help. So it keeps it, keeps the bugs from getting on there so bad. Yep. I agree. I can't scrub them off. So, yep. Well, okay. Hey Delbert, when do you want to come to Wichita? <laughs> uh, well, whenever you guys can get an opening, that's going to take, cause it's going to be an all day deal like that. All right, so when you get off the show, Josh, will you call Dover, get him his appointment set up on his Fusion? He'll get you in here and get you going. Glad you got it out of the body shop. Glad the pictures look good, Delbert. So glad you got it out of there. Yeah, it looks really good. He 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 spent an extra two days on getting that paint because it's a three-tier tip paint. So, yep. They only use this paint color in the, the 2020 model years. I think they used them in Lincoln's too, but I, I can't remember. Yeah, for 2020, sure. I, I think was, it was uh, – Right now, it's called Rapid Red, but I think in 20, was it called? Uh, Man, uh, you. Uh, oh, God, I just looked at it yesterday. <laughs> but the code's D4. RR is the Rapid Red uh, paint code. So, And they did that RR for all the years prior to 20. Yeah, they did. I know. Why they changed, I don't know. It's just a little bit. Because that's the color of my 500 the, is, is Rapid know. Red instead of, uh, God, what was the color before that? <laughs> And it's just a little darker. Yeah, it is. It's a little darker. Yep. The rapid red. Not a whole lot, but you can, you know, you get them side by side, you can tell the difference. So just driving down the road, you can't tell the difference. Yep. 
exactly. So, well, okay, Deborah. We'll and the main you. reason yeah. I found that out is because I was looking for a door just to replace that door and make it easier, but uh, couldn't find anything because there's only that one model a year. Oh, I see. We're saying the right color and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just would have made the fixies. Might still have to paint it. Might have been a little bit more faded or less faded than what I have. So you never know until you get it and look at it. Yeah, exactly right. But no, he did a fabulous job. He's been doing. I've known the guy since 1986, so we we've been friends all this time. I don't trust anybody but him with my vehicles. Don't blame you there. I understand that too. You always got to build a relationship with your repair shop. I get it 100. percent So, well, he taught me how to do some body work in that, and he was getting ready to teach me how to paint. And both our wives decided that we weren't needed <laughs> <laughs> within a week of each other, which is funny, but yeah, that's kind of like I told those guys yesterday on that paint film protection. If you want me to even wrap a headlight, you better give me a whole roll of that film. I'm going to screw it up before I get one. Right. <laughs> I'm not in, not in. That is not an easy task. And no. those people that wrap cars too. I mean, they're the same. Oh, same way. No, I, yep. I'm out. Yep. I'm out. I'm not gonna you got a little piece of dust in there. It's going to show. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, all right, Delbert, really appreciate the call. Will Josh will call you after the show to get a time set up for you to get that fusion up here. We'll get her fixed up for you, buddy. Okay, thank you. Delbert, yep, thanks you guys for have a wonderful day. Great you day, too. Saturday. Sell some cars. Use their new. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> have a good rest of your day, Delbert. <laughs> thanks, buddy. All right, you too, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, well, Josh, we're running out of time. We didn't get any racers in here to say their debate. Carburetor fuel injection. I'm all over the fuel injection. Let's get rid of these carburetors. Uh, let's get rid of the push rod motors, or at least, let's, at least at first, let's get in some fuel injection going is what I want. I want to see that in these race cars. I think it'd be cool and everything else like that, too. And, you know, Josh, just like I said, the maintenance, the, the initial cost is going to be a little bit up front, but I still think the long-term cost of running a race team and all that kind of stuff through the deal, after you put fuel injection on, it's going to pay off and long term of what we can do by putting just the correct mixture in these motors and everything else too so how about taking it from uh, even an epa standard you know the emissions that you're running now obviously on carburation versus uh, fuel injection hey i didn't think about that you but know? that's a good way to go fight it too isn't it i mean there's going to be the engine's going to run so much cleaner less carbon less that, that, emissions coming out the tailpipes yeah that, that's your game there we go that's what i'm going to fight <laughs> even harder you're just worried about the planet yeah, it's ex- I'm safe about the planet. Want to so, fix the trees. Fix the trees, exactly. So, hey, everybody, it's uh, we're running out of time, and I wish we could have got some racers on here to throw the debate out there about carburetion versus fuel injection, but that's okay. Maybe we'll get that next week. We'll get some guys primed up. We'll chime in on that next week. Maybe we'll get somebody to get ready to go for that on us and call in and give us their opinion of fuel injection versus carburetion. And, again, I'm, I'm done with the carburetors. They went away in 85 on the manufacturing side. They needed to go away today. Anyway, Mel Hamilton Auto Spa, if you guys want to talk to us about uh, ceramic coating, uh, detail, uh, uh, paint film protection, we'd love to help you out with that stuff. Our detail shop's getting fired up and geared up and ready to go. Uh, we'll have some pricing stuff put together down here just shortly, next early next week. Maybe we can have those guys on the show next week from that start. Anyway, new Facebook page for Mel Hamilton Racing. Jump over there. We've got a new contest running over there. A uh, little bit of misunderstanding. It, we said post a picture of your hot rod, uh, but what I need is I need you to have a picture of our decal, the Mel Hamilton Racing, on your car when you post it. And when you post it every Thursday morning or afternoon, depends on when we get together to do our video, we're going to draw somebody that's made that post, and we're going to give them a $50 gift card to the race shop and a fuel jug. And we do that every week through the whole race season. So just get your picture of your 
Hot Rod, get it posted up on the page. Comment, like, and share it. And uh, we'll get you up there and see who's going to be the lucky first winner this Thursday as we get moving forward with that contest. So another way of uh, putting things out there for you and stuff too. So Mel Hamilton Racing, jump over there and like that page and we'll get that taken care of. And we need to thank our sponsor, Josh, which is BG Products. All the great preventative products we use right inside here at Mel Hamilton Ford. And uh, also uh, go to rent. Hey, uh, man, Josh, I had to pull another 20 cars out of of, uh, the stands out of the rental fleet. Uh, I did go out and buy a few more through uh, the Ford auctions and stuff to get them back here and stuff too. So we're getting some inventory flipped, not getting any more new numbers or anything else like that. It's it's kind of funny, Josh. I've never seen the day that I went out on Ford's side and I bought every car I could buy that would fit the criteria for our rental car. There was nothing else to buy out there from that part. So anyway, if you're looking for a rental car or something to put your miles on your car, 12 or 15 passenger van, give Stan a call right inside here at Mel Hamilton Ford. And of course, Big Corner Karate for all your advertising needs. Jesse's got a great team down there. It's a full advertising company for your business. If you need a web page, you need Google advertising, any kind of advertising to advertise your business. They're there to help you with that. Uh, if you need your windows wrapped, you need your vehicle wrapped, you need your race car wrapped, whatever it is, you need your windows tinted. The guys at BG at Big Corner Creative are there to help you, and Jesse will take good care of you. Give those guys a call, and like those guys say, just Google us. Anyway, Josh, hours flying by. Here we go. Next Saturday, we'll be live in the detail shop next Saturday. Okay? There you go. Sounds All right, good. everybody, have a great Saturday, and we'll talk to you next Saturday.